This is Medical Matters, Insights into Current Issues in Health and Halacha with Dr. Sharon Galper-Grossman and Hannah Evenchen. Hello and welcome to Medical Matters, an Eden Center podcast. I'm Hannah Evenchen and I'm very honored to be having this conversation today with Dr. Galper-Grossman. The Eden Center works to strengthen Jewish women and family life and promote the spiritual, emotional, physical, and sexual health of women and couples using the mikvah as a primary vehicle to attain those goals. Sharon Galper-Grossman is a radiation oncologist and former faculty member of Harvard Medical School, where she also obtained a master's in public health. She is a graduate of the Morot Halacha program for women's advanced halachic learning at Matan HaSharon. She writes and lectures on women's health and halacha and teaches for Matan, Machon Pua, and the Eden Center, where she is the director of community health programming. Today's topic is exercise in halacha. As a follow-up to the podcast about women and heart health, we want to take a look at the topic of exercise. It's commonly agreed upon that exercise is healthy and important, but what does Judaism have to say about it? And are there halachic questions that may arise within the context of exercise in a halachic lifestyle? So hello, Dr. Sharon Grossman. How are you? Hello, Hannah. It's nice to be back chatting about important topics in medicine and halacha. Um, let's start with a with the basic background about exercise uh, from a medical perspective. Let's start out by hearing a little bit about the medical benefits of exercise. Well, Hannah, the benefits of exercise are absolutely indisputable. In fact, exercise is probably the most important step someone can take to improve their health. Any amount of moderate or to physical to vigorous physical activity can improve your health, regardless of age, your abilities, your background, your shape, your size. Regular exercise helps you maintain your weight. It reduces the risk of disease. It strengthens your bones and muscles. It prevents falls. And it enhances your abilities to perform your activities of daily living. It helps you think better, especially when you get older. It reduces the risk of anxiety and depression, and it helps with sleep. It helps reduce the risk of cancer. It reduces the risk of breast cancer, colon cancer, endometrial cancer, esophageal cancer, kidney cancer. I could go on and on. Lung cancer, stomach cancer, bladder cancer. People who are going through cancer treatment, exercise can improve their responses to treatment, reduce the risk of recurrence, or developing a new cancer. It helps people with disabilities. It helps people with arthritis be, remain pain-free, improve their function, their mood, their quality of life. In type 2 diabetes, it helps control blood sugar, lowers the risk of heart disease and nerve damage. And any amount of exercise is better than none. Even small amounts of exercise can have a profound impact on your health. The recommendation, and again, these the recommendation could change by the time this podcast comes out, but the current <laughs> recommendation is for 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity each week. And that reduces the risk of heart disease and stroke, which, as we mentioned in our last podcast, are the two leading causes of death in the United States. Just adding 10 minutes per day though could significantly reduce their chances of dying. So take more. So taking more steps is helpful. Even small amounts are beneficial. 
every little bit that we do in terms of exercise can have a profound impact. And there are so few things that we can say of that about in life. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like exercise only benefits us. And uh, I do want to just touch on one point that you just mentioned, only to pull it out and highlight it for a second. And that is that it's going to be relative to a person's abilities and what's healthy for them. You said, let's say 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous, but I want to remind everybody that's going to differ from person to person. And you should always check with a doctor and make sure you're doing exercises that are appropriate and healthy for you and not something that's going to put a strain on your body or put you at any sort of risk. So we're talking about exercise in relation to someone's body, not any sort of objective um, activity that somebody needs to do. And I just you know, want to put that out there to remind us all about that. But everybody relative to themselves, that exercise is just going to make our bodies really happy. And that's a really important point, Hanukkah. Hannah, thank you. Uh, that everyone needs to, well, first you need to check with your doctor. And if you're getting started, you need to get started slowly to build up to those 150 minutes. Uh, that when you do exercise, it should be in moderation. Uh, and, and we need to take care that we're not we're not uh, overdoing it, that we're gentle in our joints. Uh, but it's also important to remember that when we talk about exercise, something as simple as walking uh, would would fit the bill, would satisfy that requirement. You know, try to walk wherever you can. Instead of taking your car, walk to, walk to the Makolot, walk to the supermarket. Or if you're going to take your car, park a little bit further away so that you have to take a few steps to get there. Or take the elevator, take the stairs instead of the elevator. These are little steps that we can make uh, in our lives to increase our number of steps and to increase our amount of time exercising. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea of also weaving it into our day to day without necessarily having to schedule something specific. Some people do love scheduling exercise specifically, but sometimes we're challenged on on the timing, and so that's that's good to good to think about. Um, so now that we understand how exercise is so great for our bodies, what does Halacha, uh, and the Torah have to say about exercise conceptually? So there are exercise dates all the way back to, to the Bible. Um, there are lots of stories of exercise in the Bible. We have the story of Yaakov lifting or, or strength or or being physically fit. So the story of Yaakov lifting up the, the um, rock from the well, which is a sign of tremendous strength. Uh, Torah talks about David HaMelech and Yahushua and Gidon as men of strength and praises them for it. There references to be a swift like an eagle and fierce as a leopard and fast as a gazelle and strong as a lion, that's uh, Mishnah from Avot. And um, there are references in, in the Talmud also. There's ref, we learned that Rabbeinu Hananel did calisthenics. He would do knee bends. The Talmud tells us that a remedy for chills is hard work. Uh, and there are references to specific kinds of exercise. So we learn about walking and dancing and playing ball and and kiddushin uh kiddushin 29a talks about swimming and tell teaches us that it's a father's obligation 
to teach his son to swim. Why? Because his life depends upon it. He might be in the water uh, and he might come to drown. So there are lots of biblical and Talmudic references to exercising. The real champion of exercise is Rambam. So Rambam wrote extensively about the benefits of exercise. Uh, in fact, he, his writing go, go all the way back to his two treatises on the regimen of health really foreshadows everything that we knew we know today. It's it's fascinating what he was aware of and what he knew. Just listen to his words. Long before us, Hippocrates stated that the maintenance of health lies in forsaking the disinclination to exertion. People didn't want to exercise, but it was but it's so important to exercise. He writes, nothing is to be found that can substitute for exercise in any way. Exercise will expel the harm done by most of the bad regimens that most men follow. Exercise in Hilchot Deot, he writes, exercise counters the damage caused by most bad habits adopted by most people. As long as a person exercises and exerts himself, sickness does not befall him and strength increases. But one who is idle and does not exercise, even if he eats healthy food and maintains healthy habits, all his days will be of ailment and his strength will diminish. So Rambam recognizes what the medical community today recognizes, uh, which is that exercise can, can really impact upon every aspect of our health. Can it replace or substitute for bad eating? That's not clear. We talked a little bit in our earlier podcast about the whole fat versus fit debate and whether fitness um, really can counteract obesity and how that all plays out. And that's still up for debate, but we know that no matter what your weight is, exercise is beneficial. Is it so beneficial that it overcomes those ill effects of, of extra weight? Not clear, but Rambam already saw the importance of exercise as the most, most critical health intervention. His words echo the words of the C, from the CDC that exercise is the most important health um, intervention we can make. And he actually has very, very specific recommendations about exercise. He suggests exercising when you wake up in the morning before you've eaten. He talks about warming up uh, and then cooling down. And he reckon, recommends exercise for every age, especially the elderly. And we know today how important it is to continue to exercise and maintain mobility and flexibility uh, as one ages to, to really promote function, to, to maximize our function. And so what's fascinating is that Rambam recommended exercise in a time when everyone was exercising because that was, they, they were laborers. They had to, they had to physically work to, to do what they needed to do. They did not have dishwashers. They did not have um, washing machine. They had to go down to the river to do the laundry. Uh, they had lift heavy up. None of us do those things so much anymore. And yet he still emphasized the importance of exercise. And one can only imagine that in light of our relative inertia today, Rambam would make an even stronger recommendation to exercise. There wasn't a lot of halakh discussion regarding the obligation to exercise or the, per or the permissibility of exercise or, or uh, is it permitted, prohibited uh, until very recently. 
However, halachic questions arose regarding details of exercise. Can you exercise on Shabbat? What kinds of exercise can you do on Shabbat? With the implication being that during the rest of the week, it wouldn't be a problem. But more recently, uh, the Chafetz Chaim spoke about exercise. He suggested that it was part of Avodat Hashem, part of worshiping God. And, um, and even more recently, Rav Cook uh, was a major proponent of exercise. Rav Cook believed that exercise was an essential component to build the Jewish people, to build uh, the Jewish state, and that, um, that through exercise, we would seek redemption, that exercise was critical to our geula, uh, to our redemption, that a nation with a strong body, only a nation with a strong body, could uh, experience geula. So exercise was, is, in his mind, the key component to, um, to really bringing about the next stage um, in, in religious life, the next stage of spirituality, the next stage of our existence. Wow. Wow. That's a really interesting perspective to think about exercise as as helping to move the nation forward in its spiritual um, destiny. Um, that's amazing. And I also like to think about the fact that even in the time of the Rambam, way before uh, iPhones or computers, that it wasn't always easy to get people to exercise. So uh, so that's good to know. <laughs> So I'm curious to ask you, where do we see exercise in the world of observant communities, of uh, religious Jewish religious communities? Is it always viewed as a positive thing, or is there ever um, any opinion about something about it being problematic or an appropriate use of time? Um, and if so, how how do we reconcile those issues? So unfortunately, Chana, um, not everyone in the religious world. Uh, views exercise as um, as as a mitzvah. There's some people actually would argue that it interferes with mitzvot, uh, that it's bitul Torah. It takes away time that one could be better could be better spent learning Torah, uh, and that it constitutes Moshe Leitzim. That it is an it's frivol frivolous and um, and should be should be strongly discouraged or that it glorifies the body and it represents a form of Hellenization. And so the question is, we, we know though that that's clearly not how uh, the main, mainstream, that, that clearly isn't mainstream um, thinking. We have, we know that there are, that there's a proliferation of physical activity in the religious world. We have Beatty Deutsch, who is a Haredi mother of five, who is um, an Olympic runner, and it, it was the advertising face for Adidas. Uh, we the proliferation of Haredi gyms. A statistic from Israel shows that actually the Haredi population exercise more than the general population. The Haredim are exercising 55, almost 60% of Haredim exercise uh, at least once per week, which is more than general population. So, and schools, schools exercise, uh, many Haredi schools have exercise, Hezder Yeshivot have exercise, uh, Haredi Yeshivot in America, so seem to have exercise 
uh, whereas less less so in Israel, but but nevertheless, exercise exists, and there are lots of examples of um, rabbinic figures who exercise. Actually, if we look at the behaviors of rabbinic figures, you can also see that they did not shy away from exercise, uh, and so they must have not considered a beetle Torah if they invested time in it. We know that Rav Kamenetsky uh, was a was a real expert swimmer. We know Goran did sit-ups. Uh, the Chafetz Chaim and Rav Kook did not exercise per se, even though they were strong proponents of exercise, but Rav Kook's father uh, would wrestle regularly. And so we see that there is a strong um, acceptance of exercise in the religious world. And in fact, uh, Poskim have argued that not only does exercise not interfere with learning Torah, it actually facilitates it. So Chafetz Chaim gave a speech in 1893 where he explains how exercise makes sure that you can continue to learn Torah. He told his audience, do not overstudy. Man must preserve the body so that it's not weakened, so that it does not fall ill, and that it's crucial to rest and relax, to breathe fresh air. A walk should be taken toward evening. When possible, a swim in the river is good for strengthening the body. Overindulgence in the study is the advice of the evil inclination, which counsels working too hard in order to weaken the body, after which the person will be obligated to refrain entirely from Torah study so that in the end, his reward is his loss. And that is in fact what happened to him. He's, he learned so much without interruption that it weakened his eyes and the doctors ultimately forbade him to read for the next two years to allow his, his vision to recover. So we, we, sh we need to take time to exercise for the very reason that it helps us learn Torah. Rav Avinair actually says uh, to the argument that exercises beetle Torah and it wastes time that should be learned, spent on learning Torah. He says, if you don't have time to exercise, what do you have time for? He says, how can you say you don't have time for Darche Hashem to follow the ways in God? Because exercising is the ways of God. It's taking care of the vessel that God gave us. So for Rav Aviner, exercise isn't beetle Torah. It's actually the fulfillment of Torah. What about the argument that exercise overglorifies the body? It places too much emphasis on the physical. Well, the answer is that really Judaism sanctifies the body. It rejects the Christian ideal of uh, rejecting the body. It, the body is important. It is it is critical, but it is it, it 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 is given to us with a larger purpose, and that is for avodat Hashem. And so, how do we make sure that uh, exercise doesn't go to an extreme, that it doesn't um, that it doesn't become an end in and of itself through by moderation and making sure that what we're doing is to enhance Avodah Hashem, to enhance our connection to God uh, through a stronger physical being and not uh, exercise in and of itself. Another potential issue uh, regarding the whole question of Betel Torah and whether exercise is uh, Betel Torah is that actually exercise can help us learn Torah, not just based on the Chaim story, taking time out, 
but we know that exercise helps neurons develop. It helps our brains develop. It enhances our blood flow to our brain. It strengthens our memory and improves our concentration, boosts our creativity and mental energy and enhances academic performance. And these are all things that would make, um, would really make exercise something that enhances our ability to learn. But beyond that, uh, if you if we're worried that learning Torah, that exercise is going to take us away from learning Torah, then we can do Daf Yomi. We can learn Torah while we're exercising. For a number of years, I tried to do Daf Yomi on the treadmill. Uh, it didn't work so well for me. For a coach, to facilitate learning Daf Yomi on the gym, uh, on the treadmill. Uh, and, and I know that there are others who've done this and, and have been successful, the people who listen to Shiurim, people who walk and listen to Shiurim, people who run listen to Shiurim. Uh, so if there is, so, so really exercise actually could be a wonderful opportunity to, to um, add Torah to our day. Uh, you know, if you're going to exercise for 30 minutes, now you're guaranteed 30 minutes of learning Torah. Yeah, wow. So that's, uh, that's really inspirational to hear about uh, different Jewish leaders over different time periods and their attitude towards physical health and exercise and, uh, and how it actually can even promote our Torah learning, not just not get in the way. Um, and before moving on to our more specific questions about exercise within the world of halacha, um, I did want to connect to the broader message of the Eden Center, Merkaz Eden, and point out that even though this topic may not be specifically about mikvah or uh, tarat hamishpacha, that uh, just like in our podcast about women and heart health, that the importance of self-care and general well-being, mental and physical well-being, really all so, so deeply and powerfully connect to the broader topic of well-being in couples and families um, and how important it is for us to engage in a healthy lifestyle and model that for our children, for our families, for our communities. Um, and as you were mentioning Rav Aviner's perspective, when he said, if you don't have time for exercise, which is such a basic thing to keeping us uh, thriving and healthy, what do you have time for? Uh, it, it, I was pondering that while you were speaking and thinking, I think that that is often a struggle when it comes to self-care that some people and maybe particularly women and maybe particularly mothers uh, often tend to sideline things that are just for us. And exercise is time just for us. And it's easier for us to push it aside and say, but there's so much to get done and so much to do for other people and other people, you know, we need to tend to others, uh, which is also extremely important and meaningful. And to remember that number one, self-care is important. It is not secondary. It is not frivolous. You're really investing in yourself and even from the perspective of wanting to care for others and care for your family, to keep yourself healthy and strong and keep up with your own self-care is actually an investment in your family and in your community. Um, so I, 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 I'm strengthened by Rabbi Viner's uh, words. Um, I, I think that I think that's a really important message, Hana. Uh, we often forget that um, we often forget to take care of ourselves, and if taking care of ourselves is not a good enough reason to to do these things, taking care of ourselves is not a good enough reason to exercise, to eat properly, to to get enough sleep, to uh, to to figure out to to take steps to deal with stress when we're overwhelmed, then then 
do it, then we need to do it to take care of others because that message will speak to many people. And so it's, you know, the instructions we get on the airplane, if they're in the event of an emergency, um, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then on your child, because if you don't have your oxygen mask on and you haven't taken care of yourself, you won't be there to care for your child. And, and also you're, you're, you're correct in saying that we are, model, we are modeling behaviors for our children, teaching them um, what they need to do for themselves uh, as they mature. Yeah, yeah. I like that metaphor about the airplane. It's really important. Um, so now let's jump over to a couple specific questions about exercise. There are actually a lot of really interesting questions out there, and I hope that we'll have more chances to address more questions. We're going to just start with a couple specific ones today. Um, first of all, you did touch on this, so let's start with this one about learning Torah while exercising. You mentioned about doing dafyomi, so I'm understanding from what you already said that it's okay to learn Torah while exercising. Um, but are there any issues in that um, within the halachic perspective? So... In theory, uh, what what could be the halachic problem with exercising, learning Torah while you're exercising? So uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that you're sweaty and you might smell. We wouldn't go meet the king of the king of England or the president of the United States, sweaty and smelly and disgusting. Uh, this notion is is very much based on. Um, on uh, the idea from Sefer Zvarim that that the machan side of the machaneh for any excrement outside of the camp that that the excrement can't be part of the camp the smell can't be part of the camp the idea that certain holy behaviors that we need to have a certain level of holiness and we can't have that when something is really smelly but um, but the way we understand this halacha is that uh, as long as what smells is not um, is not absolutely offensive, uh, it's not as long as it's not so bad. Clearly, sweat is not the same as excrement, uh, and learning Torah is not on the same level as davening. But um, as long as we don't smell so bad that, or the people around us don't smell so bad that it's disgusting there isn't a problem. And in fact, post-game talk about, post-game actually recommend learning Torah while exercising just to maximize your time. And when asked, well, is that really okay? The answer is, that, that uh, one, should, one should learn Torah under whatever conditions one can. Effect. So it's a it's, yeah, a, so it's a really, it's a really, an interesting, it's really an interesting question, but the kosher gym, uh, is facilitating it with their with their book holders, special book holders for Guevara, and um, and it seems to it seems to be uh, acceptable. It seems to be okay, not an issue. Okay, great. So another question that I'm curious to ask is in terms of the timing of exercise. I know it's very popular to exercise first thing in the morning. Uh, first of all, from what I've read, there is you know some people feel that that's a good good time for your body to exercise. I know for myself. You know, if I something if I don't do it first thing in the morning, there's a very good chance I will just push it off until the next morning. Um, but there's also a halachic value to starting the day with davening, davening first thing and not doing other things before before shacharit. So what can you tell me about about that potential conflict 
uh, between best time to daven and the best time to exercise. So you're right. Uh, there are medical benefits to exercising in the morning. If you ask medical experts, when should you exercise? Their answer is, well, whenever you have a chance, because it's so hard to squeeze in exercise. But there really are advantages to exercising in the morning. Uh, there are fewer distractions in the morning. It helps you be more productive during the day. It seems to have a greater impact on reducing belly fat, and blood sugar. People who are morning exercisers are, tend to stick with it better. It helps more with weight management. And it let people who exercise in the morning tend to work out for longer. And also, you start the day off with a good mood boost. 50% of Americans actually prefer to exercise in the morning. And the Rambam, as I said earlier, recommends exercising in the morning. The question is, what if exercising in the morning uh, interferes with davening? Or can you exercise before davening? Because we know Bracha uh, 14a teaches us that Really, the first thing you do in the morning should be to daven. You should not attend to personal needs or travel before davening. You need to daven first and then set out on your trip. And I think that the reason behind this is that to, by, by doing something else before davening, you're implying that your needs are more important than God's needs. And so the Shulchan Aruch, uh, rules that one should not do anything before davening. But the Ramah adds, based on Trumat Hadeshen, that if you've recited some blessings, then you, then we can rule, then there's room to rule more leniently. And so Poskim go through a variety of examples of things that one can do in the morning before davening. Performing a mitzvah. If you need to perform a mitzvah, then you can do that before davening. Why? Well, that wouldn't be an act of arrogance. It's it's actually, instead of saying you're fulfilling your needs before God's needs, you're actually fulfilling God's needs by performing the mitzvah. Taking out the garbage uh, is another example that you can do on your way to shul before davening. Go at Rav Yeshiv allowed uh, a father to go out and buy food for his children before davening and considers that a, a mitzvah. Uh, or a mitzvah in and of itself, or a mitzvah because you're helping, he, he, the husband is helping his spouse. You can daven before, you can exercise, sorry, you can catch a bus to avoid traffic and daven when you get to work. Uh, you can take certain medicines or eat certain foods for health reasons before davening. So these are just a variety of things that one can do. And certainly if you can do before davening by eating something that's going to promote your health, one would think that you could exercise before davening because that promotes health. And so post-skim have ruled that um, if there's really, it's, it's difficult to exercise later in the day, it's going to be too hot, or you're not going to be able to do it, then, uh, then one may exercise before davening. Okay, great. So that's really good to know. That's really good to know that it's okay to schedule my morning such that I am prioritizing both tefillah and exercise. And it's okay to choose to exercise before tefillah if I have a reason to do so, which fits in better with my day or uh, it works better for other, for other shikulim, other considerations. I think, I think that's right. And I think the way to understand why that may be the case is that, um, I think that Judaism does not view exercise as just some, you know, 
frivolous activity. Uh, doesn't It's not like watching TV. It's not something that we're doing for leisure. But it really views it as um, as as an important activity to promote our health. It views it as caring for our bodies. It views it as a mitzvah. It views it as uh, to quote the the language that Postkim used when talking about uh, different permitted activities before davening, it considers it sorachei shamayim. It considers it a, a an act with religious significance uh, because we're caring for the bodies which God gave us. And actually, um, to make that point even further, some have asked, well, if it's if it's such an important mitzvah, should we recite a prayer before we exercise? Nishmat Avraham asked this question. He was asked this question regarding someone who does exercise prescribed by a doctor and he wrote that one is required to say a prayer before exercise now the question is when we exercise um we're not exercising because our our family doctor said Hana, i'm writing you a prescription to exercise every morning for 30 minutes we're exercising because it's a, that's not generally the case you know the doctor says Hana, you had you had surgery last year god forbid and you need to do exercise to strengthen your back. No, we're exercising to prevent disease. Uh, but today, given that virtually a, every major medical organization recommends exercise, one could argue that today exercise is medically prescribed uh, and, and that each one of us should recite a prayer before exercising. Wow. That's really interesting to think about that concept. It also, like you said about Rav Cook, the idea that exercise is part of us fulfilling our destiny as a nation. It has this spiritual uh, value to it. And to connect it to the idea of saying a bracha, um, that's, a, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. it. Definitely will alter the way I view exercise moving forward. Um, let me ask you one more specific question that actually I've heard I've heard come up in in my surroundings, and that is for someone who is uh, in a habit of exercising regularly. Um, then what about let's say I swim, and during the nine days in uh, between Aleph Av and Tisha B'Av, and my minhag is not to do any water activities, is it permissible to swim? Or in times that we don't listen to music like also during the nine days or people who have the minhag during Sfirah to Omer not to listen to music and going to the gym where there's music in the background. Um, what do you, what, what do I do about times like that? So let's start with your first question, swimming. Um, generally swimming is prohibited for pleasure and we try to avoid the water during the nine days. But if there is, uh, there, there's, if there's, so if there's another exercise that you could do, then that would be the halakhically preferable approach. If there isn't, and there's a very good medical reason, or, or there's a very good reason for you personally that you're swimming, for example, you, uh, it's hard for you to exercise because it's really tough on your joints, then there is room to to swim during the nine days. In terms of the music question, that's also a really good question. The prohibition against well, the whole issue of listening to music during the three weeks and during Surata Omer is for pleasure. But if you're listening to music for another purpose, say you're a music teacher or it calms your child down, then it would be permitted. 
Uh, and so when you're exercising, you're not really listening to music for pleasure. You're, you're listening for exercise. Ideally, if you could listen um, to music that isn't your favorite music, uh, that might be preferable. And if you found yourself a kosher gym, they wouldn't be playing music during the three weeks or um, Surat Omer, So you wouldn't have a problem. Right. Interesting. And I guess those who listen to their own things, that's a great time. It could be Dafyomi. Now we know that's okay. Or even just interesting podcasts. There's no shortage these days of fascinating podcasts on any and every topic to listen to. At the top of the list would be Medical Matters. And um, <laughs> listen to that while well, we're we exercising. Hope, we, we hope that lots of people are listening right now <laughs> as they're exercising. Right. Right. That's true. Wow. Well, Sharon, I really appreciate our whole discussion today on the the background of exercise in Judaism and the history of it in Judaism and in halachic sources, and then a little bit of the practicalities of exercise within a halachic and Torah lifestyle. Um, I was actually just thinking that it's February and in March, God willing, you have the Jerusalem Marathon happening. And that is, you know, hopefully would have made Rav Cook very proud to see all this healthy activity happening in Jerusalem. And uh, God willing, I hope to be participating in a section of that. And um, so that now I can, now I can uh, maybe not say a bracha, but I'll know that I'm helping fulfill the spiritual destiny of our people. So thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge with us today on this topic. And we look forward to seeing all our listeners next time. You've been listening to Medical Matters, insights into current issues in health and halacha with Dr. Sharon Galper-Grossman and Hannah Evenchen. This podcast is an Eden Center production. To learn more about our work, check out our website at www.theedencenter.com.